Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Once again, this is Dr. E.J. McKenzie with The Master Key. I pray that you enjoyed our uh, program on yesterday. I was in a conversation uh, with a young man um, this morning. I'm going to kind of change up some things because of I think there's such a lack of understanding concerning uh, salvation, uh, relationship with God. And uh, he was really frustrated because... Uh, some of the things that he's been experiencing, and uh, I was listening to him talk, and um, and this is probably the mindset with the majority of uh, people that call themselves born again, and uh, maybe we need to um, go back with the fundamentals of what it really means to be born again, because so many people are frustrated, and they want to quit, and they think that God has cursed them. Uh, he began to share with me concerning um, some of the great experiences, uh, trials, or even tests, um, hardships uh, that he's experiencing at this present time. And uh, he made a statement and said, I, I wonder if um, am I cursed or whatever the case may be. You know, I've been repented to God. Almost every person I can think of that I've done wrong in the past, you know, I don't went before God and asked God to forgive me. But how many Christians and how many people that is considered born-again believers uh, have done the same thing? Uh, the moment we begin to experience uh, what appears to be some very difficult situations that we're encountering, uh, we immediately begin to focus on ourselves. We begin to immediately focus, what did I do wrong? Uh, have I sinned against God? Uh, what have I done? I, I, something has to be wrong because I shouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I believe it's because of a lack of understanding the fundamental uh, fundamentals when it comes down to salvation, what it really means to be saved or what it really means to be a born-again believer, uh, what it really means uh, to belong to God. And if we don't understand that, then we can always be manipulated. We can always be deceived. Uh, why? Because we don't have a great understanding. And uh, there's a scripture that says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The enemy can always manipulate me when I do not understand. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, there is a, a scripture, I think it's verse 19, say, when the seed is sown on a certain ground and there's no understanding, immediately Satan come and snatch that seed out of the heart of the individual that heard the word. And so think about it. Um, great challenges and tell me who is not experiencing um, great levels of challenges at this present time you know we got some people I don't care if you're a multi-millionaire billionaire um, everybody gonna have their share of challenges in this realm uh, Ecclesiastics tells us there's a time and a season for everything and so everybody going to experience their time in their season uh, but we must be able to discern our season and take advantage of the season that God has us in. Otherwise, uh, we're going to get frustrated and we're going to get aggravated and we're going to probably end up sinning against God, which so many people do, because uh, they don't understand uh, their reason of being, uh, their purpose of being. Uh, this uh, radio broadcast is called The Master Key. And so, therefore, uh, the enemy understands uh, that if I don't understand, he can incarcerate me. So we need a key to be able to unlock our understanding so you and I can begin to walk in the freedom and the liberty that has been provided for us. Think about it. How many believers you know, how many people that you know, uh, period, that uh, uh, is walking in a state of oppression, depression, they uh, they're incarcerated by their circumstances, situation. Uh, they feel that they're incarcerated uh, because things isn't going the way they desire to go uh, concerning their marriages, uh, with their children, uh, their finances, their health, or whatever the case may be. Uh, God don't want you and I to live incarcerated. 
He don't want you and I to live in bondage. Uh, there's a scripture that says uh, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So therefore, if I'm incarcerated, if I'm feel oppressed or depressed, evidently the spirit of God can't be there. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. Listen, Doctor McKenzie, I have the spirit of God. Well, you may have him, but he may not have you. And he only can have you if you give him permission to have you. He's not going to take control of me. He's not going to take control of you. So if I'm not yielding to him, submitting to him, surrendering to him, that means somebody else have me. He said, well, I know Satan don't have me. I didn't say Satan had you. I said somebody else have you. You can have you. And you can have you because he don't have you, and the reason you have you and he don't have you is you have not surrendered you to him for him to have you. And so, therefore, he can live in you but does not influence you. You can have him there, but you're allowing everything and everyone else to influence you. You are allowing your circumstances, your situation. You are allowing what you see, hear, smell, taste, and feel to manipulate you and to control you and to dominate you. Now, the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. He is the god of the physical world, which God created, which Adam released into his hand when Adam sinned. He delivered into his hand. But Jesus came back that he can redeem the world back to its rightful owner, which is the Father God himself. There's a distinction between the world and the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So therefore, going back to uh, the principle here, he can live in me, but don't influence me. If he's going to influence me, I must give him permission to influence me. So therefore, why do I allow the things that I see, hear, smell, taste, and feel to manipulate me, to control me? I'm going to tell you why. It's because that is more real to me than the God that I received in me. And whatever's more real to me is what's going to have most, most, the most influence in my life. And so I can tell you I believe all day. I can tell you I trust God all day. But my response to this realm lets me know who I believe in. So either I believe in him who I receive, in my spirit, which is invisible, who is God himself, that created this universe that we live in, the heavens, the earth, the world, and all they that dwells therein. He created all men, all women. He created all spirits. Now, we know that Satan is a fallen angel. His name was Lucifer before he became Satan. But God created him. He made a decision to remove himself and break relationship with God. So his ultimate goal is to cause you and I to break relationship with God. And that's the manipulation. That's the purpose of being, is to take many people away from God like he withdrew himself away from God. So he wants to withdraw you away from God. So if he's the God of this world, then he's going to manipulate the things in this world, which you and I can see, hear, smell, taste, and feel, to draw us away from God. Now, we're in 2012, and we know the economy took a major shift in 2008, uh, 2007, eight, one up in there somewhere, but took a major shift. So the whole universe, I won't say universe, but all of humanity, every nation of the world has experienced a major shift uh, economically. Many people have lost their jobs. Uh, many people have gotten a divorce as a result of the economic crisis. Uh, uh, many people uh, have committed suicide. Now, this is what I was sharing with the individual. Either God is really not, or we have a distorted mentality concerning our relationship with God. And I said, everybody's been challenged. I said, I've been challenged. Everybody's been challenged. There's individuals that I'm in relationship with. 
uh, some of the pastors uh, that I'm in relationship with, uh, they have been challenged tremendously. They have voiced that uh, on our prayer line. And uh, they shared with me about the economic situation they, they've experienced. I'm, I'm sure because of uh, people losing their jobs, so that means uh, uh, there's not going to be a greater level of flow of income into the house of God. But nevertheless, I shared with this person, and I'm sharing with someone the other day, no one has ever heard me talk about how challenged uh, that I've been, our congregation has been, our church has been. No one has never heard me talk about it. Because I made a decision not to release anything out of my mouth that's going to create a world that is contrary to the world that God has designed for me. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.3, if I'm not mistaken, we broke the scripture down yesterday. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. And this individual kept talking about... Um, uh, how they feel like they was cursed or did something wrong, and I never had it as bad as I have it now. Uh, something is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, who said you had it bad? Who said it was bad? Did God call it bad, or are you calling it bad? So are you standing in agreement with what you're seeing to make sure it is solidified in your life? If God don't call it bad, then why would you and I call it bad? It may appear to be bad. It may be manifesting itself face-facing you, eyeball to eyeball, and to you it appear to be bad. But in the mind of God, it is not bad. And the mind of God is only a tool and an instrument to prepare you for something that is bigger, something that is greater, that's around the corner. So, therefore, I have to renew the spirit of my mind. I have to believe what that word says. I have to believe what God has said to me. I have to believe what has been spoken over my life prophetically. It's up to me to believe that or to believe the circumstances of the situation that faces me. Either the circumstance is bigger, the circumstance is real, or God is real. I did a message a few years ago called uh, The Battle for Reality. Now, my question would be, uh, am I denying the reality that what this young man is facing, what so many of us that is listening to this broadcast is facing, am I denying the reality of it? Absolutely not. It is real. But I refuse to allow it to be real in my life. So there's two realities. There's the objective reality and the subjective reality. The reality of what you see and the reality of what you don't see. Now, if we really understand the scripture, Hebrews 11.3, that we quoted, by faith we understand, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. So things appear was made of things which do not appear. So, according to that verse, the subjective created the objective. The invisible created the visible. The unseen created the seen. And if that's true, then... Without the unseen, there would be no seen. Because there is an unseen, is the reason there is a seen. So that means then the invisible must be greater than the visible. That means the unseen must be greater than the seen. Then uh, I have a decision to make. To put my faith more in the seen or the unseen, the invisible or the visible. But the problem is, with the majority of us that is born again, we have more faith in the seen than the unseen. And when we speak what we see, hear, smell, taste, and feel, we now position ourselves and make that the reality. That I'm putting my faith in, my trust in, my hope in. It is done. It is settled. Or... I can acknowledge that that is a reality, but there's a greater reality. But what is the greater reality? Well, the greater reality is what God has said, what God has spoken. And so now I have a choice to make, which don't make no sense to the objective realm. To believe what I don't see or to believe what I see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Abraham was faced with the same situation. 
he was called the father of faith. Faced with the same situation, but he was he didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him like we do today. He made a decision not to believe in what he saw. He made a decision not to believe in what he felt. So what Abraham did, according to the word of God, he considered not the objective. And he paid no attention to the objective. And he made a decision to believe in the subjective. The God he could not see. The God that promised him that he was going to have a child. He's 100 years old, wife 90 years old. They have ceased to have pleasure for a few years now, or probably many years now. So his body is warring against what God said. But the scripture made a statement, said he made a decision to hope against hope. To hope against hope is to make a decision to believe what God said against what it is evident that there's no way out of this situation. It's no way I'm, I can get out of this situation. It's no way I can make myself uh, uh, become younger. I can't make my wife to become younger. So I cannot uh, uh, meditate myself in having pleasure, meditate myself in rejuvenating my body or her body. I have no power to do that. I'm not God. Or I can believe God. Don't know how he's going to do it, but I made a decision that is good as done. The scripture said he was fully persuaded that God was able to perform what he promised. He was fully persuaded, fully persuaded. That means there was no room for doubt. He gave himself no room to doubt God. He gave himself no room. And how do you give yourself no room? You got to do what he did, pay no attention to the circumstance of the situation, not denying the reality, but I just deny the reality of it in my life. I deny it to be real in my life. You're real, but you're not going to be real in my life. So you have to make that decision. I have to make that decision. And so that's what he did. So he made the decision, I'm going to believe God. And sometimes, in making that decision, you have to make a decision to separate yourself from anyone else that will not believe what you believe. Jesus one time was asked to come to heal a ruler's daughter who was sick. Jesus said, okay, I will come heal your daughter. Before he could even get to the house, a messenger from the house came and said, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter is dead. Now that was a reality. She was dead. But Jesus told the leader, only believe. Now he's telling him to only believe, so evidently there must was another reality that the ruler didn't know about and none of the people knew about. So therefore, in the mind of the people, the young girl was dead. So Jesus go to the house. Jesus said, oh, she's not dead. She's only asleep. The Bible said all of them laughed him to scorn. So you have to separate yourself from people that will laugh you to scorn. And sometimes it's not even good for you even to articulate what you believe because every Christian don't believe God. They have received him but don't believe him. And so sometimes you have to keep it to yourself what he spoke to you because if you articulate it and those individuals don't believe God themselves, they will laugh you to scorn. Because usually what God tells you and promise you is usually bigger than you and bigger than everybody you're hanging out with. So therefore, Jesus made a decision to separate himself. He had to separate himself from those people and separated the parents from those people, put everybody out. And it's fascinating that he put some of his disciples out. He only took the mother 
the Father, Peter, James, and John in the house with him. That should tell you something. So we put them out, took the girl by the hand, raised her up, and said, give us something to eat. What did Jesus do? He believed in the reality of the realm of the spirit. He believed in the subjective realm which created life. And he knew and understood that the realm that he was of was greater than the realm that he was living in. He was in this world but not of this world. You and I are born again. You and I are in this world, but we don't supposed to be of this world. But, it's an, but the saddest thing about this is that the world that you and I are of, the majority of us that is born again have no clue how to function and operate in the world that we're of. Of another world, but in this world. So therefore, if I'm of another world and in this world, but don't know how to function and operate from the world that I'm of in this world, then I will be dominated by this world that I'm in, but yet not of. This world will have the greatest influence on me. I'm born again to another world. I'm born again in another world. While I'm still in this world, I'm born again to another world. In another world, now I must become educated concerning the world that I'm of. But I'm in this world, but of another world. And so Jesus brought the world, the laws that governed the world that he was of, into the world that he was in. And he took the young girl by the hand and raised her up. Now, what you've got to understand is this right here. You, you and I are of another world, but in this world. But while we are in this world, we live by faith in this world according to the world that we're of. So therefore, the just that is in this world shall live by faith while they're in this world. Hebrews 11 one said, Now... Faith is the subject of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Now faith is, but I can't see it. Now faith is the substance of things. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So that means it's real in the subjective world, but it's not real in the uh, 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 objective world at this present time. But it's my responsibility to take what is real from the invisible realm and make it real in the visible realm. How do I do that? I got to believe. I got to trust. I got to be fully persuaded that what he promised me, he's able to perform. Who's able to perform? He who promised. So whose responsibility is performing? He who promised. So it's not my responsibility to perform? No. But what is my responsibility? To believe. That's all I got to do. That's all you got to do. It's just belief. Yes, belief. I thought I was believing. Well, your response to the circumstance of the situation reveals who you believe and what you believe. If there is murmuring, grumbling, complaining because of what I'm, being, I'm experiencing and been challenged with, it's a revelation that I believe in the subjective realm, excuse me, the objective realm, the visible realm, more than I do the invisible realm. That's the only thing I'm saying. But if I can smile at it and just stand still, the scripture says concerning Abraham, he was strong in faith. That means his belief in his faith uh, and what God said was greater than what he was experiencing in his body. 
He was experiencing old age. His wife's body was experiencing old age. He said he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Strong in faith on what? Giving glory to God. So in the midst of your challenge, your circumstances, situation, are you giving glory to God? Because you know it's temporary? You know that your God is bigger than the circumstances of the situation? Do you and I have the faith? These guys didn't have the Spirit of God. We claim that we have the Spirit of God. These three Hebrew boys didn't have the Spirit of God like you and I have But by faith, they were sustained, delivered from the fire. What was their attitude when they were facing death? Let me share something with you, O King. We know that our God can. We know that our God can. But if he make a decision that he won't, we're not going to compromise our relationship with him and bow down and worship no idol. God is bigger. God is greater. Because God is, you have come into existence, O King. <laughs> because God is, there is fire. Because God is, there is the human race. And because of God, who is, he has the power to deliver me, rescue me. But if he see fit for me to be cast into the furnace fire, so be it, as long as he get the glory. So, ladies and gentlemen, do you have that attitude and mentality today? Do you have the attitude and mentality that you are not going to be mindful? You are not going to bow. You're going to serve him and worship him. You're going to give him the glory. You're going to give him the honor. And you're going to give him the praise. Now, we need to understand why we respond the way we respond to circumstances, situation that may try us. If our marriage is tried if our relationship with our children is tried, if our finances is tried, our health is tried, all of our relationships is tried. We as leaders that have congregations, if we're tried with the congregation, when we're tested or tried, my response reveals something. Now, let's go back to the fundamentals. I shared this with, with the young man that was on the uh, I spoke with today. Living in another state. And he was telling me how bad things have gotten. And um, uh, shared with me that his wife have a degree. And uh, with her degree, she's supposed to be making X amount of dollars. And his base almost cut in half. But See, we got to have the mind of God. The mind of God, I'm grateful and thankful. At least I have a job, even though it's cut in half. I said, I know, majority of people I know, I share this with them, that have a degree is not even working in the field that uh, they got the degree in. But she, at least she's working in the field, but the finance cut in half. I said, why do you think, I put this question to her, I said, why do you think God is allowing the Christians to be tested like this and tried like this? He said, that's a good question. That's a, that's a very good question. He said, I, 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 I really don't know, because, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't repent of everything that I've done, thought I ever did, whatever the case may be. I said with him, I said, I'm in a relationship with a group of pastors. And uh, uh, the pastor was sharing with me about all of them, different things we was going through and sharing Economic, basically everybody's been challenged economically. And uh, I shared with one particular pastor, I said, um, is it possible that God is testing our natural to get you and I to live in the supernatural? And he thought, stopped and think, and began to think. And this person began to think I was talking to today. I said, isn't it amazing that us with Christian, we always ask, believe in God to flow in the supernatural, and we want to experience the supernatural. 
as it is, no, it's not a necessity to experience a miracle of the supernatural. If, uh, you know, our bank accounts is filled, all the bills is paid, or everything is paid off, the wife and the husband harmonizing, the children is harmonizing, you don't need a miracle. A miracle is only needed to when the natural has ceased to function properly. When there's a breakdown in the order of God, there's a breakdown in the creation of God, there's a breakdown in the government of God, we need a supernatural move of God. But if everything is in order, we don't need a miracle. It's fascinating the mentality that we have uh, 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 concerning God. So I put another question. I said, now, uh, the majority of us will confess that we're saved. Are we saved? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we say. Then what is salvation? So what is salvation? And so I, I began to share with him a, a principle that I brought out, uh, uh, I think it was uh, Sunday. And there was uh, a young man uh, that was a member of our church for years, um, awesome man of God. He just went home to be with the Lord. Vincent Hall is his name. And uh, we have a home-going service for him last Wednesday. And as the people came up to begin to testify uh, concerning uh, the caliber of man that he was while he was in the earth realm, almost everybody said the same thing. The, uh, just a tremendous man, a young man, never complained, never murmured. Now, he'd been a member of Panorama Christian Center for several years. And all the time that he was, he had several eye surgeries. Never heard him complain. Never heard him mumble. Never heard him grumble. He had, I think, two brain surgeries. Could have been more. Never complained. Never mumble. Every time I laid hands on this young man and said, do you believe? Every single time. With a smile on his face. Yes, Apostle, I believe. I believe. Now, that's fascinating to me because one of the things happened with this young man that calls me to talk to God. I knew he was a man of faith. Never complained. Never murmured. Never grumbled. Not one single time. Then why didn't he receive the manifestation of his healing if he was a man of faith? Couldn't have been a man of faith because there was no manifestation. But that's what we teach. That's what we believe. Interesting. So do I belong to God? Am I really, really saved? Because if I'm saved, I shouldn't have to experience this. If I'm saved, I, sh I should have to go through it. Because if I'm going through something, evidently I have sinned. Is that the mentality that all of us have, the majority of us have? That God must be angry with me because he allowed me to experience this and that? Interesting. So I began to share with him a question was asked me in our new members class. And the person asked him, but what about Job? I don't forget what we were talking about. What about Job? Okay, what about Job? Okay, let's examine Job. Okay, now the attack that was on Job's life, was it initiated by God or the devil? Everything Job lost, was it the devil or was it God? His children that he lost, was it God or the devil? His wealth that he lost, was it God or the devil? Well, the majority of people say it's the devil. But read the scripture. The scripture states that God initiated a conversation with Satan. Satan did not initiate a conversation with God. God initiated a conversation with Satan. Do you desire my servant Job? That there ain't nobody in the earth like him. Not one person. Nobody. This man loves me. This man is loyal to me. This man is faithful to me. This man is dedicated to me. What was the devil's response? Number one, you got to have the protection around him. And nobody ain't going to serve you just to serve you for nothing. 
you don't bless the work of his hands. He's the richest man in the East. I mean, uh, who wouldn't serve you? Everybody would serve you if you made him rich like that. If you take his wealth away from him, he will curse you in your face. God said, go ahead. Look. The head just remove, but just don't touch his life. So that means uh, the devil couldn't touch him unless God gave him permission. Do you belong to God? Are you a born-again believer? Are you redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? So you save. So if you save, that means you are the property of God, just like Job was the property of Almighty God. Just like his children was the prophet of Almighty God. His wealth was the prophet of Almighty God. So is it possible that God is setting you up for a blessing, a promotion, an elevation? What was Joe's attitude? In one day, a man was the wealthiest man in the East in one day. In the same day, he's the poorest man in the East in one day. What was Job's response? Naked, I came into the world. Naked, I leave the world. What is that saying? What is that revealing? What is that telling you? That should be telling you and I that Job understood, and it was a reality to Job, that everything that he had and who he was, was because of the God that brought him into the world, and the same God that's going to take him out of the world is responsible for him being who he, he is. He understood that he owned absolutely nothing, that God owned everything. That's why he did not complain when the children was taken away because that was a reality to Job that the children really belong to God and he can do whatever he wants to do with his property. They complained that one time. The wealthiest man in the East, and, and all of a sudden, all of his livestock is gone. Gone. Everything is gone. And one day, never complain about nothing because he knew that God is the source of all things. I'm who I am because of God. What I have is because of God. Do you and I have this understanding that everything that you have and who you are belongs to him? The majority know. Your children is yours. They're not God's. Your money is yours, but it's not God. Your spouse is yours and not God's. And you wonder why? You ain't seen nothing yet. God is not going to let you and I be God over nothing. To own something and say, you God. That's what you're actually saying. I'm God. This is mine. But Job realized that it wasn't his. That's why he responded the way he did. Naked I came in, naked I go out. He going to bless the name of the Lord. In the midst of his tragedy, that's true salvation, ladies and gentlemen. Salvation is stating that I was bought with a price. I don't belong to me. So I can't do what I want to do. What can I say to God about my spouse? What can I say to God about my children? If he chooses the route for one of my children to go this, this direction, that direction, that is contrary to what I taught them. Am I to say that the devil is bigger than God and God don't know what he's doing? Can God choose a different route for my child to bring my child full circle because that's going to be my child's ministry? Uh, do, should I have the attitude that if my child deviate, I stand on the promises of God like Abraham did? Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Because God has already spoken to me concerning my children. He's already spoken to me concerning their destiny and purpose. 
But in the natural, it looks like it is a lie. In the natural, it looks like there's no way in the world what has happened to this child. Do I consider the child or do I consider what God promised? I consider what God say and speak what God say. Calling those things which be not as though they were. Or will I subject myself to the subjective realm, excuse me, the objective realm, or will I submit myself to the subjective realm, the invisible realm? I have a choice. Ladies and gentlemen, this stuff can't happen. It cannot happen as God is not real to you. And I believe that's the major issue right there. He's not real to us. We won't let him become real to us. He becomes real in the valley of the shadow of death. He, don't, he do not become real on the mountaintop. And that's where the majority of Christians is manipulated. We, when everything is well, we love to sing praises. Read up a Bible, whatever the case may be. When hell breaks out, can I still communicate and relate in fellowship with him? So these things must become a reality to us. And we need to understand what salvation You don't belong to you. Your spouse don't belong to you. Your children don't belong to you. Your house don't belong to you. Your job don't belong to you. Your business don't belong to you. Your finances don't belong to you. You own absolutely nothing. You and I are a steward for him. I brought this press back on Sunday. He, he, watch this right here. You belong to him. He saved you and then turned around and gave you back to you for you to manage you for him. So I mean, I can't do what I want to do. I can't eat what I want to eat. I can't go where I want to go. I can't watch what I want to watch. I can't hear what I want to hear because I'm going to be judged for contaminating his property. I'm here to manage it for him. I'm here to manage it for him. This body belongs to the Lord. My soul is his. My spirit belongs to him. Am I building it for him? Or am I, am I destroying it for him? We gotta trust God, ladies and gentlemen. We gotta trust trust God. So the things that God is allowing you and I to experience that appear to be negative, why is he doing this? I believe it's training. I believe he's trying to train you and I to operate in the realm of spirit. He's trying to develop our faith, train us to live to, by faith. He's trying to train our spiritual eyes to be open. He's trying to help us to develop our spiritual ears that we, that he will have more influence in our life than anything in this realm. It's training. It's training for reigning. You've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I are eternal beings, that you're going to die one day, and death means you're going to separate yourself from this realm. You will be separated. I'll be separated from this realm one day, and we will live eternity in a supernatural realm or a spiritual realm. That's the lake of fire or heaven, the realm of God. We make that choice. So, therefore, we've got to understand uh, that God does not allow Things to happen just to happen. He's a God of purpose. And he loves you and I affectionately. I'm going to say it again. He loves us affectionately. And we have to renew the spirit of our mind even concerning love. Because we think love is not allowing you to experience pain. No. Love is allowing you to experience pain as long as the pain is going to, get you, going to cause you to experience gain. That's love. Love is not allowing you to stay in the same condition and state that you've been from the time you, got, you was born again. And we got people that's been saved 50 years and in the same state, same condition. And so they have not progressed. They have not grown because they handled the same circumstances, situation the same way. They begin to mumble, grumble, complain, or they begin to cry. They begin to weep because they think God is punishing them and not understand that God is loving them. So how could that be love? Because if you would trust him in the midst of the situation that is trying you, that's all he wants you to do is trust him. Your faith in him will bring you out. And when he brings you out of the thing that's testing you, you're not going to come out the same person you was in you was when you went in. That means you have grown. You have progressed. And that's what it means that you are not to live from faith to faith and from glory to glory. 
And so, therefore, you got to understand that, that he's preparing you for something that is so awesome, so big, so dynamic, so powerful. We just got to believe him. You have to make this declaration. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. But if he wants me to die, if that's how he's going to get the maximum amount of glory, so be it. So be it. Let me share a, a scripture with you that uh, I shared uh, during the uh, homegoing service of uh, this young man, uh, Vincent, I, I called him a mighty warrior. I really do. Uh, uh, I admired this young man. I had never been around too many people that had the faith and the courage of of, uh, of Vincent. I really haven't. And um, and I believe God's going to hold all of us responsible. Had an opportunity to share uh, in his life. And because God's not a God that just does things, he's a God of purpose. And and you need to understand that. So it's, it's not a coincidence that God allowed you to experience this, uh, experience this life. But let's, let's read something. I'm going to show you something concerning faith that God showed me uh, during uh, Vincent's homegoing service. Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Interesting. Well, you just said Vincent was a man of faith. Was he rewarded? Because you just said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did Vincent believe God? Did Vincent have faith in God? Then the majority of you that know Vincent would say, no, he didn't because he didn't get the reward. But what is the reward? Is the reward the manifestation of his healing? Well, let's look in the word of the Lord and, 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 and kind of look at this thing because uh, so many people are oppressed, depressed, and suppressed because they don't believe that they have faith because they have not received the manifestation of their promise. But let's look at it and see what the word of the Lord says. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. That's faith, right? Yes, it is. The walls fell down. 31, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more? Now, so we see here in verse 31 that even Rahab was delivered by her faith. Her faith saved her, rescued her and her whole family. Sound like faith to me. What about you? This is the kind of faith I've been teaching basically all of my life since I've been a preacher. 32, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, also of David and Sam Samson and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. That's faith. Praise God. They subdued kingdoms. And the devil bombarding you right now because uh, you've, been, you've been trying to subdue a certain thing, a certain circumstance, a certain situation since you've been saved. And the devil telling you don't have no faith. Not only the devil, but your peers, everybody in the church tell you ain't got no faith. Because it shouldn't be taking you this long. By now, you should have overcame this. By now, you should have subdued this. By now. Because did we not just read? 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And you've been believing God, and you still have not obtained a promise. For five years now, you have not obtained a promise. That means somewhere you have wavered. Because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not, not, uh, not that man think that he should receive anything from God. Oh, don't we know how to give people scripture? We are something else. And the very scripture that we've given people many times, we have not lived that and experienced ourselves. Watch this right here. Verse 34, quench the violence of fire, the three Hebrew boys. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness was made strong, became uh, vigilant in battle. Turn to fight the armies of the aliens. 
Wow, look at this faith. Because that's the only thing that pleases God. Faith. Verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow. That's powerful. That's faith. But then it takes a twist here. And it says, others was tortured, not accepting deliverance. That can't be faith. That cannot be written in the book of faith, the chapter of faith. How could they be tortured? And how could they not be delivered? They must not have faith, but it's in the book of faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 36. Still others had trial of markings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They couldn't have had faith. They was in prison, but their faith would have stopped them from going to prison. Their faith would have stopped the markings and the scourgings. Their faith would have stopped the torture. Wouldn't it? But the Bible says here they was in chains and imprisonment. They was marked, scourged. 37. They were stoned. No, they could have been stoned because their faith would have stopped the stoning. How could that be? They were stoned. They were sewn into. You mean to tell me somebody took a saw and cut these people in half? And they're in the book of faith? Something got to be wrong with this. Sown in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin. No, sheepskin, they didn't have the best robes. Shouldn't they say that it got them nice linen robes, colorful robes, the most stylish robes that was present at that day? But they wandered in sheepskin and goatskin, and, and they're in the book of faith? Being destitute. Couldn't have been destitute. Shouldn't they say gotten them a house? Got them their dream house? You mean the thing they didn't get their dream house? And they was destitute? And they was afflicted? And they was tormented? This, this is written in the book of faith. But verse 38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. So did Vincent have faith or didn't he have faith? Because here the scripture says that those people that experienced all this hardship and death, it's written in the book of faith. But what I discovered was that there's another kind of faith that brings more glory to God than overcoming faith. The above scripture I read was overcoming. They overcame, man. They used to do kingdoms. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched fire. The women dead was raised from the dead. Man, look at their faith. But the Bible calls that overcoming faith. But the Bible calls this faith. God gave it to me. He coined it enduring faith. Notice what he says. Is of whom the world was not worthy. Vincent had enduring faith. So people could criticize Vincent all they want to and say that he didn't receive the promise. Well, listen to what the word of God says here. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in, in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony... Now, notice something different in, in this particular passage of Scripture about enduring faith and the difference in the ones that had overcome in faith. It, did no, it never said the ones that had overcome in faith had obtained a good testimony through faith. It, it, it didn't say that about them. But these individuals that died were sown in half, was tortured, was marked. The Bible says that these individuals had obtained a good testimony through their faith, did not receive the promise, but they have a good testimony. They life testified of God himself. They never quit. They didn't mumble. They didn't grumble. They didn't complain. They never prayed, deliver me. They believed in God until the end. And the Bible says, the world wasn't worthy of these individuals. The man of God that Vincent was, the world wasn't worthy. Because everybody that testified said he never complained, never mumbered. 
That means the world wasn't worthy. And God chose this man to have enduring faith, not overcoming faith. Never complained, never murmured. So my question would be to you today, ladies and gentlemen. Have God chosen you to have enduring faith? But you're complaining and you're murmuring. And you have not obtained a good testimony. Because your testimony of complaining and murmuring just made God look bad. Just made Jesus look bad. These individuals, this is a revelation of what it means to be saved, giving your life to God. They understood their life didn't belong to them. So when they was tortured, they didn't complain because their life didn't belong to them. When they was being cut, sawed in half, they didn't complain because they realized their life didn't belong to them. It was real to them. When they was dressed in goat skins and sheep skin and everybody else had fine clothes, they didn't complain or murmur because they realized their life didn't belong to them. They didn't try to rescue their life out of the hand of God. They committed themselves, their spirit, soul, and body to him and said, if this is going to bring you glory, then be glorified in me being cut in half. If this is going to bring you glory, then let the torture Increase. If this is going to bring you glory, I'm just grateful that I have sheep skin to put on, goat skin to put on. If, if it's going to bring you glory, Father, so be it. Oh, God, help us today. Help us today. And I was talking to a young man with a church named Paul Jacobs. He just come back from Haiti. Uh, he worked for a company that feeds the poor and they go over to what the case may be. He was talking about he never seen poverty like this in his life. And they just just, uh, just named uh, Haiti the uh, the number one poverty-stricken nation in the world. they never seen it like this. And, and and a young lady was pregnant and didn't have no food to eat. And they asked, well, are you, you going to eat today? God will provide. So another young lady didn't, didn't uh, have no food. Didn't know where the meal was going to come from. And I said, what, what are you going to do about food? God would provide. My God, are you hearing me today? That's faith. And you got a place to stay in. you got a car you're driving or you got public transportation. <laughs> you do have a couple of changing of clothing. God, save us. Save us from ourselves. We need to really get saved and experience salvation, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming almost to the end of our broadcast today. I pray to God that the Spirit of God has spoken to you today. And I pray that the Spirit of conviction fell upon you today. And I pray that you will repent, you will turn, change your heart, change your mind. And you will rededicate your spirit, soul, and body unto the living God. And say, God, be glorified in my life. However way you desire to, be glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow I'm going to have my wife on here. Uh, we're going to do something in the areas of relationship. Wednesday is going to be the day of relationship. We're going to do it together. Uh, Kathy, next week will start. She'll be starting a program on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and she'll be dealing with women, women issues, whatever the case may be. So I'll be t- uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays with Prophet Kathy. I'll be doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Saturday we're going to use that Friday, Saturday line as as a prayer and prophetic line. And that's going to be a line that we want to pray for people and, 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 and prophesy over people's lives on that Saturday. And so you don't want to miss that. that tell your friends and families, call all over the nation, get people on this radio broadcast on uh, Monday through Saturday. Uh, we want to be a blessing to you. And we pray that you enjoy it today, and we pray that the Spirit of the living God has given you something, amen, to be able for you to walk in victory. I pray, put it this way, you have received the master key to unlock your mind today. I pray it was unlocked. I pray that your spirit was unlocked. I pray that your soul was unlocked. I pray now that the spirit of God can take you into destiny and purpose. We love you guys. Appreciate you. 
And we pray that the rest of your day will be Holy Spirit filled, governed, and controlled. God bless you. Look forward to being with you on tomorrow with Prophet Captain Dr. E.J. McKenzie. God bless you. Thank you.